I used to look at all those guys when I was younger and figuring out how to play O-line. I was like, you can go out here and be cool, whoop guys, and develop a persona and be that guy who you who you really want to be and do it at offensive line. So if I can be the next wave of that for doing that for somebody, mm-hmm. I'm telling you everything I know. I don't care. And I'm confident enough in myself. I know you're not going to beat me up because I'm that. Like, that's how I feel about myself. I'm going to tell you everything I know, and I'm still going to go out here and do it because that's, like I said, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm going to do that. So that's, like, that's always been my... Somebody taught me how to do this, I'm going to teach you, because I'll be a fool not to give it to you. Welcome to episode 67 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt, and the clip you just heard was from Arizona Cardinals offensive tackle, DJ Humphreys, and over the last year or so has become a great friend. You know, I really look up to DJ. He's a wonderful husband, father, uh, you know, just a little background. He was the number one high school prospect in regard to offensive line in the country, uh, ended up selecting Florida to go play uh, college football. And then, you know, was selected by the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, we met through a mutual friend. Uh, social media, of course, was a big part of that, which we'll talk about, you know, the, the value of social media and Instagram and the connector that it is. But really with DJ, just his ability to speak about mentorship and how to navigate life and politics and, you know, the climate that a lot of us are dealing with, not only COVID, but just um from a racial standpoint and he's very open about that a voice for good and he's very educational if you follow him on instagram and see a lot of the posts and he's he's really about educating everyone else and teaching them and you're gonna love him he has a great personality great stories from his background can't thank him enough for making time to come on the podcast today so before we get into the episode i just want to speak about build a trend for one second here because build a trend has been such a key partner of ours here at a finer touch construction for many years because many of our clients live out of state. And so that communication gap with them living out of state is so important. And Build-A-Trend has given us an ability to deliver unprecedented customer service unlike ever before. They have an owner portal and with that, the daily logs that we use give our clients instant access to their projects and also give our superintendents the power to easily document every detail of the project. Myself as a business owner and for my team, it's changed our business and we are better because of the endless tools and resources that it provides us. And in addition, Build-A-Trend has the unlimited cloud. So storage, messages, comments, emails, job-specific information is all loaded and organized into one place for us. And to learn more about Build-A-Trend, make sure to click that link in our show notes. Now let's get into this episode with DJ, and you are going to love every minute, not only from his personality, from the story side, but also just the amount of information that he has to give and teach and instruct. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast, and today we have one of my good friends on the starting left tackle, the Arizona Cardinals, DJ Humphrey. So welcome, DJ. Hey, hey, appreciate you having me, Brad. Appreciate it. So very fortunate, DJ. So DJ just finished the season on Sunday, so he's two days, you know, season's over and made time for us today. And uh, DJ and I have been connected through social media. You know, I talk a lot about social media marketing and business, and there's so much correlation between sports, competitiveness, business, and DJ with social media, who's very active. And what I love that we can talk about as well later, you know, the activism side and just the, you know, the information you put out there, which I really admire, DJ, as you already know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to start this off because one thing about football that's interesting is, you know, a lot of players maybe are have a different position in high school and then it changes. 
You know, so for you, did you always have a goal to play offensive lineman, or where did that start? Never, never would not in one moment. <laughs> Do people aspire kid, to play offensive lineman? I don't know one kid that's like, man, I'm gonna grow up and be like DJ Humphries when I grow. <laughs> not one kid. <laughs> like, don't grow up and be like Kyler kid. Don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they want to grow up be QB, yeah, or running yeah, back, Odell or, or yeah, Hop or Odell somebody. Beckham, yeah, 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 you know what I mean. But uh, no, nah, I never. Not at one point, one moment did I think I was gonna play O line. My dad was a receiver. My uncle was a receiver slash defensive back, so I was mm-hmm. always like, I'm at least going to be a tight end. Like, yeah. <laughs> at the least, if I get a little chunky, I'll be a tight end. <laughs> um, I played D-line most of my life, and I loved it. I was all, you know what I mean? That was, it was natural for me. Um, I went to high school, Malachi High School, and I had a coach by the name of Michael Palmieri. Coach Palmieri, uh, I played outside linebacker in my freshman year of high school. I wore number nine. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, I'm going to be All-State. Outside linebacker, I can't wait. I'm about to be the best pass rusher in the world. So did nine have any significance? No, it was just a single-digit number, and yeah. I was, like, at the time, like, he just gave me a single-digit number. I can't believe this. Yeah, because no one wants that yeah, two-digit yeah. high number. When you're in high school, you see, like, I'm a big dude with a small number. He's got to be <laughs> legit. Like, yeah. That was my thought process. The number is the first thing I got to check off. I had it. I was like, I'm, I'm the man now. It's going <laughs> to happen. So I played a year. Um we have something going on with our school. We get some games lost. I don't get to get moved up for varsity for the last game, for the playoffs. I'm crushed. Next year, I hit the summer. I'm, I'm, re- I'm working. I come back. I'm like, Coach, I'm ready. He's like, all right, we're going to move you tackle this year. <laughs> I was like, all right, Coach. I gained a little bit of weight. Like, I can play D-tackle. Like, I'm a little bigger. He was like, nah, offensive tackle. I was like, <laughs> I'm transferring. Like, you, you, you got to be kidding me. You think I'm playing left tackle. Like, I can't wear number nine at left tackle. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you thinking about? And he was like, all right, well, like, you playing left tackle, kid, so, like, just get your hair wrapped around it. I stormed off. I was all mad. Like, I, I go, go talk to my dad. I'm like, Dad, we got to transfer. He's trying to get me to play offensive line. Like, what are you – like, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> my dad's like, first of all, that's not how transferring works. Like, we live here. Like, yeah, you can't just you can't go just to another – You can't just go to another school, kid. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, So, once, he, once I got my hair wrapped around that, he was like, also, like, you might want to give left tackle a shot. Like – you know, but at that time, I mean, you're still fairly young, though. I mean, was left tackle? You know, right now, a lot of people understand the value of left yeah. tackle, right? It's one of the premier positions yeah. in NFL for anyone listening. That's so, one of the signature positions, right? The blind side. The movies yeah. from that. So this so. is pre blind side. Yeah, this is so pre blind side. So. so there's no Hollywood. There's no notoriety. None of that. You right. know, and being in high school, like it's not the most glamorous position, no, as you mentioned, yeah, whatsoever. So I'm like, no shot. <laughs> I feel betrayed by my dad at this moment. Like, you think I'm an offensive lineman? Like, are you serious, dad? Like me? Coming from a receiver, from he you, tells you you're You're telling me I'm a lineman? That's what you feel about your son? Like, I was crushed. <laughs> but um, we went back, I went back, and uh, my coach, my coach Palacio, he had, he had, he told me, uh, he showed me a breakdown of the highest paid uh, tackles, left tackles in the NFL mm-hmm. in comparison to highest played players in the NFL. He was basically explaining to me, you guys will get a lot of notoriety, but you're right there in the mix when it comes to getting paid in the NFL and what you want to do in your dreams, you'll be one of the higher paid guys in the league. That was, you know what I mean? That was the, and I was like, all right, man, but you still got to let me play like some D-line. Yeah. He was like, all right, I'll let you play like third down or something like that, you know, serious, critical moments. I'll let you go in on the D-line and you can do it like that. And I was like, all right, I'm so, and, um, yeah. So, was man. there any like moments, I guess, in your high school career when you're you, so you already have to change mentally? Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to be offensive line. It's not as glamorous. It's not as fun. Was there like a turning point where in a game or a situation where you're like, okay, I think I am good, or the coaches recognize I'm good, and you know now I see what, what the coach saw in me. So 
we in in the South we have these things called jamborees, where you go a place and it's all the teams from the district or or the the the, the county or whatever from that area, and you play a half of football against someone that you wouldn't normally play on your schedule, and uh, we played this one team. I can't remember the name of the team. I can't remember the name of the guy that I was going against. But before the game, all the coaches were, like, coming in and checking on me, like coaches that I had never talked to, like DB coaches coming in, like, giving me a pep up before the game. And I was just like, why? Like, I know this is my first game playing left tackle, but, like, it, like it's not that serious. I've been playing left tackle all summer with us. Like, you, you guys know that I can do this. Uh, so we go I play the game. The kid that I'm going against, I can tell that he's physically like he's a very capable guy that I'm going. He's you know what I mean, he's fast, athletic. But I'm I'm handling the kid. We're, we're, you know what I mean? I'm giving him a good a good matchup, shutting him down. After the game, everyone's all excited. The coaches are all excited. And they tell me that this kid is like a highly recruited guy from the area. Uh, he's gonna he's got all these Division One offers and all this stuff. And how I just went out there and shut him down. And, and I didn't know. That, yeah, they just basically you don't even know what you're doing. Like you didn't even know who you were going against. You were able to do this. So that was like the moment for me. Like, oh okay. This guy's going to Division One football. I just whooped him. Maybe okay. Maybe we can figure this thing out. Maybe this left tackle thing is not so bad. And they start. And I got after that game. I started getting like interviews and notoriety. And I was like, I played. I got all those sacks last year. Nobody had asked me any questions last yeah. year. I blocked this guy one time, and now everybody want to ask me. Cause like, all right, okay, this online thing might be all, maybe kind of cool. I can I can stick with it. But that was like the one thing. From then on, I was kind of like, okay, like if anything, I can just go out here and just like. I'll physically these guys, and we'll figure out the rest along the way. Well, you start to see your strength, and I think that's one thing. You know, I look as an employer when with my team. You know, sometimes maybe I see something in them that they don't see where they may be better performed to be in a certain position. And if you help them see that vision and empower them, like you, and you put them in opportunity yeah. to be successful, and then you gain that, you know, excitement and expertise, and you're like, hold on, I'm just taking one of the top pass rushers, shut them yeah. down. So – yeah, there's some potential here. Yeah. Now it puts me in a position to succeed. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I remember my coach telling me, like, listen, kid, you can play outside linebacker, you can go play D3 ball and, and go work at <laughs> go work at General Motors when you're done here, or you can play left tackle and go D1 and be a first-rounder. And I was like, D3 So how coach, does that like impact you? I mean, when you hear a coach say that, I mean, did that make an impact at the moment? I mean, it's easy to fast-forward now to see the success you've had, DJ, at the level you're at, but back then – did you see that when he's saying, hey, you could just play this as a hobby and end up working, you know, Best Buy? Or yeah, you're going to be in the NFL? Because you know? that was my only – that was all I was thinking about. My whole thought process when I was in high school was go to Division One, Get to the league. Go to the league. Like, that was the only <clears> – like, those were the steps. You have to be good in high school. You go D1. You leave as a junior. You go first round. That was, like, the whole – that was all my mind was on. So, like, as soon as he said go D1, I was like, all right. I, guess, I don't want to do this, but I, I, I don't want to run sprints either. But I have to do it. Like, you know, that was my thought process over anything that, that I felt was constructive that I didn't want to do. It was like, I don't want to do this, but I know that if I want to do this, I have to. So I'm just going to just suck it up and go ahead. I think what's amazing to me, so, I mean, this was, was this your sophomore year or is this freshman year in high school? This like is, towards the end of freshman year. This is, uh, so this is, the, but this is the summer. The summer, the summer between, between yeah, freshman and sophomore. Between, yeah, the summer in between, yeah. Because I think what's amazing, so, you know, you want to, play linebacker or maybe tight end, you know, mm -hmm. defensive line. And yet the coach sees something and he moves you to offensive line and you become the number one high school player, number one recruit in the country in high school, number one prep, Anthony Munoz Award, right? Yeah. So, I mean, for him to see that, I mean, not only to see the potential, but, you know, talk about the training behind the scene, the coaching, you know, the, the technical side, you know, to get to that level where you could play three years of high school 
and never allow SAC, right, to be the number one recruit. Man, it was it was interesting. Um, I, I I moved to left tackle, like I said, that year, and the guy that I was playing against, play beside was uh, he was a junior at the time. I think I think he was a junior. Yeah, he was a junior at the time. Devin Flowers, he was my guard, and uh, Devin kind of like showed me the ropes. Like, hey man, you like you gotta do certain things like this. We do it like this, and you know because we're working together basically. And um, Justin had a trainer. I mean, I Justin. I'm thinking about people. Devin, yeah. Devin, Devin had a trainer uh, by the name of Mo Collins, and Mo uh, played in the NFL with the Raiders. Uh, for, I think for about seven, eight years, and uh, played at the University of Florida. And like you know, he was, went to West Charlotte, so it was in the area. Mo was a figure in the area. He was training uh, guys, getting them ready for uh, the next level. And um, Devin was like, "Man, just come." You know, on the weekends, I'm I'm getting this training with my trainer. Like, come kick it with me. And at the time, like Devin, me and him had got tight. He was taking me home. He was just driving, so he would drop me off at home. So I just was like, all right, man, I yeah. come ride with you. He's driving. You don't have your yeah, license. Like, yeah, I, like we we riding. Like we're gonna work out. I guess like you know I don't want to go home anyway, so yeah. we we'll just go. To, you know, and um, me and Devin start going over with Mo, and then me and Mo just start clicking. It start clicking, and there was we had this one uh, instance one day. I could, I didn't know how to jump rope. And that was like one of the things that was like one of our warm ups, and I couldn't get the jump rope for anything. And well, it's hard when you're six five, six six to yeah, jump rope. But anyway. Devin is is six three, three thirty at the time, killing the jump. I'm like Rocky Balboa in the jump rope, and I'm pissed because I'm like I'm, I mean I'm four or five steps faster than Devin. Like you know what I mean? I'm he's a guard, I'm a tackle, so I'm supposed to be the athletic one, and he's like jump rope killing it, and I can't even keep it going for like three. So. During this, we're taking on and off breaks. Devin's going, I'm going, Devin's going. While he's going, I'm in the back, like, trying to figure it out. And, like, that was, like, Mo's, like, that was, like, our, one of our first workouts. But that was, like, Mo's, like, thing that was, like, when he seen me trying to continue to do the figure the jump rope out, like, in between my breaks, he was, like, I see the de yeah, determination. We're, yeah, we're going to, like, and ever since then, me and, me and Mo had got, uh, got really tight. He passed when I was in college. But uh, me and him got super tight. And uh, we, he pretty much developed me throughout throughout high school and uh, got me ready for that next level. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think anyone in life at any success level, whether it's business, you know, I look back at some of the mentors I've had in my career, you know, that have mentored me, taught me, you know, shadow leadership, other things, um, you, you know, and I think for your case, especially in college, NFL, I mean, who are some of the mentors? You mentioned, you know, Mo in college and then Justin, who you talked about, I know yeah. in the NFL. I mean, talk about that change because going from, which I know we're, we're going to skip ahead through some of your story here, but you know, mentorship is a huge part, and huge. especially to get to that second contract, that second level in NFL, which is really hard to do. Huge. Um, honestly, I had a, I had a lot of help from a guy named Charles Bentley. Um, he owns a, 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 a gym, I should say, fraternity. Everyone thinks it's a cult. <laughs> 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 he owns a gym here in, uh, in uh, Arizona, and it's an O-line-specific gym. And uh, I train there uh, every summer, every offseason since my, since my rookie offseason. And um, I mean, he's been one of the most consistent mentors and physical pieces in when I say career outside of my father and and, and my family members. When when it comes to my career, he's been one of the most pivotal pieces involved in in the next stage development from outside of you know what I mean what's on the field and and the guy who's in the meeting room. Like both of those, he he's been so pivotal in developing those two guys for as as who is me and. Um, I mean, I could talk all day about that dude, but that's that that he's been like one of the biggest pieces in the transition in the NFL because it's a lot of stuff that when you're a young player, people forget that you're a young player mm -hmm. 
because you're so you get drafted first round, you're you're so much better than everyone else and we expected you to be. So we forget that you are twenty one because your play is not of a twenty one year old. You mm-hmm. know, so it takes a little time to develop and I didn't have anyone to really tell me before I did the wrong things that that was the wrong thing. You know, of course, everyone's going to tell me after I do it that that was the wrong thing. But at the time, I thought it was a great idea before I did it. Yeah. So he was kind of that guy that, that kind of helped me. Like, hey, you shouldn't. That's not how we do things. We got to do it like this for this to, to be the end goal. And he was super pivotal in, in making that transition for me. And that's uh, still to this day. I mean, I go. I still go to every. So one thing that's interesting, DJ, I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, I, the, the relationship, I, I guess, for us, when I think of you speaking about that is, you know, a lot of us will hire someone, you kick them off the pier, and they have to swim, right? Mm-hmm. They have to figure it out. And and I think the problem with construction design architecture is it's very, and in any business, if you don't have systems, people can't be successful. And not to throw the Cardinals under the bus, which I'm, I know you're not going to do, but, you know, I, I would imagine there is some gap there of systems because, you know, coaches change and systems change oh, yeah. and playbooks change. So, you know, every season there's constant turnover. And so you really have to have a mentor that's going to carry you and teach you, like, Here's how you are successful. Here's how you make. Here's the work-life balance. Here's how you learn the playbook. Here's what you need to focus on. Because yeah. it's not just brute strength or, you know, when you get to that level, there's a lot of technical side, right, and position mm-hmm. and, and understand the playbook and, yeah. the ver- you know, all, yeah. all, all the play calling. I mean, so, you know, what players, I guess, have had the biggest impact one-on-one with you here at this level to help you, you know, really excel? When you say players, I, when you say players, I think the first player I have to say is, uh, AQ Shipley, AQ. He's at Tampa Bay now. Yeah, yeah, AQ's in Tampa now. He's, I mean, when it comes to my football IQ, AQ is like solely responsible for the start of it. Like literally, up until like the past two years. I mean, he left last year, but I mean, he's been most of the things that I could pick apart about a defense. AQ taught me, like literally. I mean, all the way down to understanding simple concepts of inside and outside zone or empty protections and sort protections, like all those little simple intricacies that no one about does, that don't play offensive line know mm-hmm. anything about, he literally taught me all of those things. So that I could start being athletic on the field because I'm not out there like, oh, my God, I don't know who to block. He made it simple for me. So I would think he, he's the best uh, when it comes to, you know what I mean, just flat-out football smarts. Uh, and I have to say, like, Corey Peters, mm-hmm. when it comes to being a man and being a husband and how to live the life and, and managing uh, what comes with this lifestyle. Because uh, I think you do a great job there. I mean, you and your family are so sweet uh, and pretty awesome. And, and you do such a great that. job. And, and, and you really show that, like, um, just professionalism, but, like, family man and good husband and good father. And, I mean, you guys are just a great a- example in the community. I think that's exemplary, right? And I it's try good. to be, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's big for me because I know, like, that's, that's the only reason why I'm that way is because my father was that way. Mm-hmm. My father was a great – he's always been a great father. He, that mean, my, my parents had me when they were 15. My mother wow. and my father had me at 15, <clears throat> and both of them have always been great parents. And you know, I, I always pick my dad out because you know I'm a guy, so that's my that's mm-hmm. my go-to role model. I'm sure my daughter would be this way with my wife, you know yeah. what I mean? But mm-hmm. I always say my but my mother was is huge in that role as well. But he always set that example, so it was I never had a I could never be the person like I don't know how to be a dad because n- nobody was my dad. Mm-hmm. I always I could never have those excuses because I always had it. Somebody, no matter the circumstance, no matter I'm only 17, I'm only. 25 and you're 10 years old like it like he always he was always on it and that was for me when I had parent when I had kids it was like I might not do this right but I'm gonna try really hard and I'm mm-hmm. gonna love you super hard and you'll know when you get when you become adult like I was trying like that's what I figured out as being an adult like 
it was my dad was like, hey, sometimes I didn't know what to do. I was 20. You were five. Like, you might yeah. have got a whooping a little too sooner than you were supposed to. But, like, yeah. I, you knew I loved you. Like, yeah. we talked about it later. And that was like, as a, when I, as an adult, I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I never had a question at one moment in my, my life. Like, my parents don't love me or don't care about me. So that was, for me, that's first things first. Because, I like, those are, you know, that's really what I was brought here to do is to make those little guys, those little people better and, mm -hmm. and push them off into the world and do what I couldn't finish, what I couldn't do, or do excel past what I couldn't do. So, like, that's – football is awesome, and I love – like, you know what I mean? That's my passion. That's But that side of my life is, like, show that first, please. When I, yeah. When I go, please show that side first, you know, so – well, it shows. I think that shows in your character and what you're doing, and so I commend you for that, DJ. And I, I, I would imagine it's fun having a young dad too, because him oh, being man. young and super athletic, you could beat on each other. And oh man, it was I'm awesome. sure a point came where you can start pushing him around too. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it was, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I tell the story all the time. My dad was a, he was a receiver, but you know, in high school back in the day, they played both ways. My dad was yeah. like a DN, outside linebacker type guy. So. When I was in high school, he used to—I mean—he would torch me. Like we would have like a uh, Christmas break or something like that, and it was always like, "Hey, you go into the playoffs, you don't need to take five days off, and you make sure you're getting the workout in. So when you go back to practice next week, you're not dog tired. Like you know what I mean? You'd be ready for the game." It's like, all right. So we always get some running in, and we'd always end it with like one-on-one -on -one drills and getting reps, like you know maybe taking some <clears> steps in the run game or taking one-on-one -on -one pass reps together. I mean. And, He's a natural athlete. My dad's 6'5", 230. Like, oh, you know, is he really? Yeah, so he's yeah, tall yeah. He's tall. Like, I mean, he ran a 4'5". Like, he's a track guy. My dad's a, a, a state champion track runner also. So, like, you know, basketball guy, like, all of that. Super freaky athlete. But dad can still do a windmill to this day. That's amazing. You know what I mean? So, he, I mean, he's torching me in high school. And uh, this was my whole high school. This is the only guy, that I, we, the only guy to ever get a sack on me in high school is <laughs> <laughs> my dad. <laughs> and uh, so, I, I come home when um, – one break, I can't remember which break it was. It, it, it had to be, it had to be after my sophomore year in college because Mo, I wasn't working out with Mo, so Mo had to been passed already. I wasn't working out with Mo, and uh, he, he he was doing some moves and I, I was shutting the moves down. He was doing simple stuff though. He was just trying to give me some reps, and uh, he tried to drop like this the shimmy and drop a spin move on me, and I just gave him. I, I mean, I gave, <laughs> I gave him a, a real deal SEC punch. I gave him one of those like at the time. You know, I had to been in the SEC weight room yep. for two years in a yeah. row at that time. And uh, I gave him one of those punches, and he he stopped dead in his tracks. He was like, "All right, yep, that's it. <laughs> that 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 that'll be the last one." And we haven't we have we haven't had we haven't done that since. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last time. That was our that was our last workout together. <laughs> oh, that'd be tough seeing your he son. He still whoops yeah. me in basketball. I mean, I mean I, in basketball. Well, I mean, he's my age. I'm thinking about this. I'm like, if your dad was that young, I mean, he's my age. So he's... I mean, my stepmother made us. She made us move the the, the basketball hoop out of the driveway. Because we were playing too physical. Because they, like I, I, I used to get so I'm so competitive, mm -hmm. and he's such a better basket. He's <clears throat> he wanted to play basketball over playing football. He was just more naturally gifted at football, you know, just because he was a power forty. He's six mm -hmm. five, so he yeah. receiver six five, power forty six five, two different worlds. And uh, we would, I mean, we would be knocking, tearing the bushes up in the front yard. He, I mean, it get to the point where I'm fouling too hard. He's like, all right, I'm you strong now. Like I'm gonna start doing you like we're at the gym, and he started giving it to me, and we were in the driveway. Tearing up bushes and stuff, and finally had to move the basketball hoop to the backyard because my stepmom was like, "Y'all gonna fall out there on that pavement right there because y'all out there playing too physical. Y'all pushing each other in the bushes and stuff." We had to, we had to move it, but that's that's always been like, we're, we're so we're, both of us are so competitive. It's just, he he taught it to me, and it's like I can't still to this day. I, I, my dad, I didn't know anything about basketball when I started playing basketball. My dad was a Lakers fan. I'm a Celtics fan. Just cause, like I yeah, just have I, to be the rival. I, of your yeah, dad. just yeah. cause, you know what I mean. I love him to death, but that's just how that's how yeah. we are. Still to this day, it's that competitiveness always. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I mean, 
you know, going back to that, I mean, if your dad was younger now, you know, you see the tight ends now. I mean, with his size, Antonio Gates, Antonio Gonzalez, you know, basketball players that have really taken our tight end position. I mean, it'd be totally different for him. Man, he missed the era. Man, I'm telling you. My dad would have got drafted in this era right now. It'd be so different. Oh, my goodness. It would be so different. It would be like a Jimmy Graham type. That's, yeah, that's, I was going Jimmy of, Graham, that's the type of athlete thing. he was. Tall, that's big, strong. Yeah, you know. Can't stop him. Really physical for a receiver. <clears throat> but at the time when it was coming, I think they wanted him to gain some weight and yeah. kind of be like that position. But he just, he's naturally a slim guy, kind of like me, you know what I mean? So for him, I'm sure how as hard as it is for me to gain weight, I know it was really hard for him at the time. But I mean, he would, he would shred this league. Well, yeah. well, it's interesting. I think, you know, you talk about evolution in any business, right? A company. Mm-hmm. I mean, things evolve, things change. And, you know, COVID has thrown a curveball, I think, for all of us in business. I know for the NFL this season, it's been extremely difficult with tracking and i know you get tested every day for covid you know but you see the nfl has changed so much in the last 10 years right Mm -hmm. you know with um just athletic formations and quarterback play and tight ends as we mentioned you know basketball players i mean it's totally revolutionized a lot of college you know influence has come into the nfl so how have you seen that evolve i mean even though you've only been in the nfl you know so long i mean you've probably seen it change quite a bit oh man i've seen it change so much um I mean, I mean, your coach. I mean, he's yeah, from yeah, college, right? Yeah, and coming yeah, in and bringing. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. and 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 I, I'm I'm a smaller lineman, so like I, I only during the season I'm like 300, 305. Yeah, I couldn't play back in the day. You know, those guys were like three thirty. You know, yeah. like that. that three thirty, three forty. Yeah, that style of Jonathan Alden was six eight, three sixty. Like yeah. I couldn't <laughs> play. I couldn't have played with those guys. You know, yeah. all the tackles was like that mm-hmm. because the guys they were going against were all six five, two ninety. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. I go against guys like Hassan. Mm-hmm. So you put those guys, you see what happened when we went to New York. Like you put, you put Hassan against those really big guys. And he just runs and, by him. You yeah. know, and you got Gets him off leverage and gets, gets around him five sacks. Yeah. The game has come to a point where you really got to match fire with fire. You know, mm-hmm. you have to walk that fine line of how close to Aaron Donald can we get on the offensive line, you know, because mm-hmm. you see a guy that's able to be that fast and also be that strong. How how far does the lever go on the offensive line side yep. of it? You know, and that's that's I, I kind Which of try to walk that tightrope as close as I can. Well, you are tremendously athletic, and I'll get that to you because I think most people don't realize left tackle, especially I mean, especially on running plays and things. You know, there's moving formations. You're going to yeah. be 15 yards downfield, yeah. and so you can't just be stationary, especially with yeah. the way offenses are moving now. And your quarterback now with Kyler. Yeah, you know, you you, you, you all your toes are ready to move at all times, and, and when you got an offensive coordinator like Cliff, he's he's willing to. To understand who the athlete that I am and mm-hmm. use and use and that. how to utilize you, yeah, and get me in screens and get me in tosses and stuff. And I think that's what I love now. Before they would try to say, "Well, you have to fit this certain, you, have you to know, do this this to be this position." Yes. And now they're like, "No, we're going to take Lamar Jackson and his athletic, and we're going to build around him." Around him, him. Yes. yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at our line, you look at our O line this year. I mean, even last year, we set a franchise record in rushing last year. I mean, the biggest guy on our line last year was. Sweezy, and I think he was like three ten. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're not a huge line, but we. I mean, even this year we were top. I think we were. I want to say eleven in rushing or something. All the categories, all the offense categories, we were high. Well, you're rated super we're high, high on offense online, all and it's all of us are not huge guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All of us are like 300, 295, like in the scrappy guys though that are really athletic. So it's 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 interesting to see how the game is changing because then you also look down the. And guys like Dallas, those those lines, Dallas, and those guys are still huge, mm-hmm. and they're, they're really athletic. So it's it's so it's the just athletes different. are so are, are changing it. It's so you you got guys like Giannis and Katupo like playing yeah, like I know the, the athletes crazy. today is and I think it's, it's just Kevin Durant. I mean, you call him the unicorn, but there's a reason he's seven feet and I mean? he can play like anybody. It's and just, it's, yeah, I think what it is is like kids are training now. Yeah, 
You know, like, and they're playing every same thing for basketball. They're playing every position. They're they're, they're specializing. Learning. They have they're learning. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, kids are six five. We're not making them play center in high yeah. school anymore. We're yeah. like, can you dribble? You can kid? play a number two. You can play number one. Yeah, like can yeah. you dribble? The first time you and I met, I'm like, he's offensive line, and you picture offensive line in your mm-hmm. mind. You know, like you mentioned, a big three thirty. You know, guy six four, and I'm like. Wait, he's six seven, super lean. You know, and it's just it's unreal. Like nothing like I would have pictured. You know, but that's what makes you good. You think at about it. The, like I said, you go against guys that some of these guys are running four fives. Yeah, and they're chasing the passer now, and it's like. <laughs> well, we mentioned Hassan, and you and I were talking. Know? So Hassan, who plays basketball with us, I mean, we there, there's a guy who played called D one college ball. Mm-hmm. He's six nine, big guy, pretty hefty, really good footwork, and all of us have a hard time guarding. I mean, I'm only six two. I'm not big. Hassan comes in, he's 6'2", but he's so strong and so fast. He pushes this guy around the 6'9", and I'm like, I can't imagine him padded up out there. You know, like, you and, have to do yeah. it in practice I mean, and, and, and on top of that, like, Hassan is a tough kid. Yeah. You know, he's not, like, just an athletic guy. He's really tough. Yes. You know, and that's, like, that... Because you call him the pit bull, didn't you Yeah, say? I mean, that's that's absolutely what he is. And, that like, that mixture of being really athletic and... At, it's like Russell Westbrook. Like, mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook is super athletic, but he'll also... Try to try to duck on the center, you know. What I mean? Every versus time. trying to get around him and lay up. His yeah. thought process is the the hoop is right there, you know what I mean. And that's like the, that mentality is something that you can't. You, there's no substitute. You can't for teach. That. Yeah, there's no and, substitute. And, and that's true. I mean, I think you know the evolution and and as you mentioned the mentorship and I guess going back to college, you know. So you know how is that in high school? I can't imagine you know being young. You're making these big decisions or getting impact your life. And so how you know who did you consult with? You know, I would assume your mom and dad, but as you're making the decision and what made you end up selecting Florida, I mean, if you have any college to go to, was there a reason you went to the SEC? Um, I, I always wanted to go to the SEC just because I, I had, in, in high school, my mind was completely wrapped around, you're going to play O-line, the best D-line come out of the SEC, you have to go to the SEC if you want to go first round. Mm-hmm. That was just, I hadn't been convinced of that. That was Playing in the trenches, you got to be in the SEC. These are the, they, these are the best, all the best ones come from the, the SEC. I'm going there. That was my whole, you know what I mean? And it was more so about which one. Which one was it going to be at the time? And Florida was one of those schools where they didn't promise me anything. Muschamp was very much like, yeah, we really want you to come here, but, like, we're not going to give you anything. We're not going to give you a starting job. We're not going to give you – like, you're going to have to come here and earn it all. But we want you to be here. We want you to be our first – our guy, but like you're gonna have to come here and work. And I was like, yeah, I like that. Like they're, <laughs> like they're talking to me. Like my coaches talked to me in high mm-hmm. school, and my dad talked to me. Um, they just don't make it easy. Like yeah. giving me something to work towards. Yeah, exactly, and exactly. Because everyone else was making it seem too easy. Yeah, I was gonna start now. Like so cater you walk to you. In, what yeah. color? What number do you want to wear? I'll take mm-hmm. that kid's number off his back. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't like because I know in four years or three mm-hmm. years I'm gonna be that guy that just get there doing it to someone you know? else. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't like that. That wasn't. I didn't want to be around those. Like that. I felt like they were trying to woo me and manipulate me. Whereas Mustang was kind of like put all the facts in front of me. It was like, we we love who you are as a person. We want mm-hmm. you to be the leader of our group, but. I can't. He he didn't want me to think that it was going to be anything what it was and me coming in and working for it. And that was that was what it was. And I, I appreciate him for that because it's you know I mean that was it's easier for me to snap into that mindset. Well, it's interesting you say that. You know, one thing that you know going back to the mentor, I had a mentor tell me chase experience, not money, right? And that's mm-hmm. always had a big impact on me. And I think in my career, chase experience, not money. And it's very similar for you. Um, you know, it's really hard. You know, I have people ask, well, how do I know what company to go work for? You know. How do I know what team to play for, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to have the good company culture. So, I mean, being sought after by a lot of the top schools and SEC schools, how did you decipher the culture, you know, whether it be LSU or Alabama or Florida? I mean, what 
ended up making that decision, or did that even play a part in it? No, it did, it did play a part because I loved LSU. When I was a kid, I wanted to go to LSU. I, that was all. I, that was my whole. That was, if I get an offer from LSU, I'm going to commit. That was that was my mindset. And uh, I almost did when when Les Miles called me on the phone. I almost committed on the phone before I even went to Baton Rouge. I almost committed on the phone, <laughs> and uh, uh, I went down there. I mean, and the visit was going great. I mean, the visit went amazing. Les Miles had the student section chant my name when we walked out on the field. Like it was it was amazing, the whole deal. And uh, but I I went and I was in the player section, like where all the recruits and the guys that were coming in. And it was very much. I just could tell that they were Louisiana guys. Like they were, they were about Louisiana. They were Louisiana guys, and they were about Louisiana guys. And they didn't really feel like we needed to go get a tackle from Charlotte. We have a tackle in Louisiana that can come play for us. And I respected it. And I just, I, I could tell that that was they were very close knit. And I didn't fit into it. And I was like, ah, that sucks. Like I really wanted to go there, but like I could feel I'm not gonna enjoy myself here in the next three, four years. The fit wasn't natural yeah, with the other yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, so. I could tell. And that was kind of like the vibes that I was getting everywhere. Um, I didn't feel like no one didn't want me around. It just didn't feel it didn't fit good for me. Yeah, it didn't yeah. fit good for me. When I went to Florida, I was like, "Yo, I love this place. Like, I, I want to stay now." It was everything just felt super comfortable. So it was it was real easy for me. And uh, like I said, Mo was Mo was uh, Mo was a Gator at the time. So I had heard a few heard a few good stories, and I knew I knew other spots to hit when I went to town. <laughs> so that that definitely helped. <laughs> so yeah. what were some good spots down there? Good food or good food good, for sure. I mean, good, good fan base, of course. Oh man, good fan base. You know, it's funny because you got all the good spots, you know, in town uh, that you would hit, but it's it's a it's a little hole in the wall spot on the outskirts of Gainesville called Burger Barn. If you're ever in in, in Gainesville, on the outskirts of Gainesville, leading into the city, you hit up the Burger Barn, and it's literally a little barn. And it has a window in the front of it. And on the back side is a drive through You can go eat you some burgers, wings, whatever. And it's the little hole in the wall shack. When they run out of stuff, they close. But it's amazing. And that was, we always used to ride out. We used to call it the country. It's literally just like right at the city limit. You ride out there and go to the burger barn. That was like our favorite spot. But, uh, I mean, I, I still to the day I love it. I haven't been back in a while, now that I think about it. But I still I had nothing but fun in Gainesville. Group, oh. Great decision. Well, I'm sure it's hard. I mean, so how do you even balance, I mean, the college life? You think, I, I think from my college experience, you know, I didn't play sports and, and it was, it was difficult. College was really tough as you get in and you're trying to figure out the academic side. And then if you're trying to balance, okay, well, as a player, especially at a top school, Florida SEC, mm-hmm. you're playing primetime games, you're playing playoffs, yeah. you know, you're bowl games. And so, you know, you're gone traveling, you're missing class. Yeah. You know, so how do you even stay on top of? I guess it prepares you for later in life, but I mean, how do you stay on top of it at that point? Um, a lot of tutors, a lot of tutors. Uh, it wasn't easy at all, though. Um, I try to think back to DJ in college. <laughs> I gave a lot of people a lot of trouble. Yeah, you know, I was, I was, I was a. Uh, it was hard to get me to class. I won't act like I was a a frequent. Uh, I was gonna be the first person to class, or I was gonna <laughs> sit in the front row. I was not that guy. A little bit. I don't. I don't. Uh, but I understood that I had to do certain stuff. Yeah, and to, the value to, of it yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know. And um, that luckily I understood that part mm-hmm. because it was it was a lot of days that I was like, it's a drag trying to do homework and then you're trying to do film study and you're traveling and maybe man, on a bus trying to sleep or on a I, flight. I, you know. I, I remember my junior year. I was like, man, I'm gonna be honest, coach. Like. I really want to. I really want to be a good student, but <laughs> the more homework I do, 
the worse I play. Yeah. Like, the more I'm focused on ball, like the better I play. Like it's just, it's it's direct correlation here. Yeah. And he's like, listen, kid, like you gotta you have to do both. Like this <laughs> this is you only got you ain't got much longer, man. Just just lock in for me. And luckily, like I said, Florida's is they're all about helping us out and making sure, you know what I mean, putting us in a position to win. But I gave a lot of people yeah. a lot of a lot of hard times. I remember one point in time in my sophomore year, I had the, the GAs used to have to used to wait outside my dorm in a golf court and like <laughs> make me go to class, like pick me up and take me to class. Cause I, used to, I had this logic, man. I was like, listen, if I come here and I work out before five in the morning, and I stay here until eight or eight thirty, I'm not going to class. The school has gotten all my hours out of me already. Today, mm -hmm. I was here before five, and I'm done at nine. I'll see you guys later at study hall today. And that was like it was it was. I mean, it was bad, but that was like that was. I was at that point. I was like, I'm done with school. I hate like I. I never. I never. I hope this is not like a kid show. I hope no, kids are not <laughs> no, see you this, can because I never like I never wanted to go to school. It was just something. My dad is super smart. I mean, my dad's like top five in his class in high school. Very, very by my mother penmanship award. Very bright parents. I, I'm. I feel like I'm pretty smart. Pretty smart guy, but. I don't like being forced to learn things I don't want to learn. Yeah, well, that's, that's, you have to have the passion like behind it. It's funny. I'm asked a lot, like, do I have to go to college, you know, to be in construction or design? I'm like, no, why? I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is, even as athletics, I mean, there is a necessity to it, right? Yeah. The learning part, and we'll uh -huh. get into that, how that correlates with what you're doing in the NFL. But the reality is, I mean, if you're passionate about something, you're going to be successful. And, you know, if I know that someone that really wants to be a designer, I mean, there's a lot of top designers nationally that never went to design school, they right? No They're school. just super yeah. talented. They have an eye. They have a mm -hmm. passion. Same as you. And, and, and really, that's where you're going to put your energy. And so, exactly. um, I mean, the tough thing for you being, you know, an athlete, there is a necessity of college <laughs> athletics because yeah. that's the catapult to the NFL, right? That's yeah. the system yeah. that feeds you to the NFL. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove. For over 75 years, Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove has specialized in refrigeration, cooking, and dishwashing that can be found in some of the world's most luxurious homes. At AFT Construction, we look forward to crafting our clients' dream kitchen when building the home of their dreams. To get this process started, we locate the nearest showroom and set up an appointment. It's that easy. Since Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove specializes in three major categories, we can make all of our kitchen selections in one stop. The first one is that Sub-Zero handles refrigeration. They are the preservation specialist. Key features included fresher, longer dual refrigeration, advanced air purification, precise temperature control, customized modular design. This ensures tastier, healthier food and eliminates waste so that the food stays fresher longer. Second is that Wolf is the cooking specialist. Key features include precise heat control, predictable, consistent temperature, intuitive controls, and easy-to-use technology. Everything is designed with you in mind. These features enhance flavors of food, ensure consistency, and eliminates guesswork. Delicious results every time. And last but not least is Cove, the cleaning specialist. Key features include precise water flow, superior drying conditions, fully adjustable interior for every need, and so quiet it never interrupts. Not only are all products functional and reliable, they look great, truly built to last. To schedule an appointment at your nearest Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom, visit subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom or click the link in our show notes below. So what was the biggest transition, I guess, from college to the NFL? Because, you know, in college, as you mentioned, you're going to have tutors and you're going to have people, you know, coaches looking out for you, making sure you're in class. Mm -hmm. But now in the NFL, you're a sole proprietor. You're your own entrepreneur. Yeah. You're your own business entity. So it's totally different now. Completely different. That was, I think, I think that, that the loss of structure once you leave the building is what was the biggest transition for me. Um, 
being in line and being in structure in the building is normal for athletes. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we do. That part is the easy part. Especially in football. Yeah, mm-hmm. super easy to do that. Basically, simple. But when you leave work at 3 and I don't have to go to study hall at 7. Yeah. Or I, I don't have to go to do this. In, and it's just 3 till tomorrow again in the morning. That was the part for me that was like, I'm ruining it, right, in between that part. I was, you know what I mean? And understanding, like, you can't wait four hours to eat, kid. Like, you can't do that. Like, you're an athlete. Like, you need to eat right now and in two hours. Like, that was that, like that stuff like that, it took me almost two, three years to figure out that part of it because it was just I didn't have any well, I mean, set standards for it. It was just I was used to you were, you're hungry. In two hours, there's going to be food ready for you down the hall. Like, yep. Just go down there and get it. Like, At you the know, mill so, hall, Exactly, yeah. yeah so it was, and for the athletes where it's catered to them, but – I guess in the NFL, I mean, do you have like a nutritionist? Do you have oh yeah? Do you have that accessibility through the Cardinals where you have a little bit more balance? And I know you mentioned mentors that are going to say, "Okay, DJ, here's how you balance your day. Here's how you balance off season. Yeah. Here's how you stay in shape." You know, I think you do have that. And then the only thing about the NFL is, is that the building. Yeah. Once you leave the building. I mean, the, You're on the, your own. the nutritionists are at the building. The, the the mentors, the veterans that you had that's coaching you up, they're at the building. They leave. They got kids that they yep. have to go. You a know lot of them I mean? have it's, families. They in have NFL, full so families. They go home. Like me, I, I help a lot of young guys out with what to do and what not to do. But when I go home, I got to worry about dashing over. Like I can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't. Don't, yeah, you got your kids yeah, and Bree you know, and everyone so, else. Exactly. So it's, it's it's different. It's a lot of it's a lot of in between. It's like, oh man, I didn't do that that part that you told me to do. I did this part. It's like, I need you to do the whole thing, bro, so we can get you here. You know, and, and it's 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 a it's a process. And I I mean, even when I talk to to my young tacklers, the two Joshes, Josh Jones and Josh Miles, like I always tell them, like, like yeah, bro, like you, I'm sure you want to do things like I do things, but you gotta understand, like, strive to do that, but like don't get discouraged in the process because you're looking at a product of six years. You're not like I this this didn't just happen yesterday. This happened to me over a course of six years to get to this point. So don't get frustrated in the process of. I want to be able to do this like this and do that like that, but I can't yet. And and that that was hard for me to figure out. It's like, this guy is able to do this every day and do it right like this every time. Why can't I do that? And it's like he's practiced at it for five years to do it like that. I I have to start the process somewhere. You got to just you got to start doing it right somehow at some point. And that's that I think that's the part that like I try to pass along as much as possible. Well, it's interesting because I think part of that's natural human tendency that we, you know, we want things faster than. Mm. They should be. We're not patient as people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty yeah. natural. And then, especially when you look at business or athletics, I mean, you may look at someone else and be like, oh, you know, look where they're at. Why am I not there? And you're in this constant comparison without realizing, as you mentioned, the time they've put in and the hours and, you know, the research and development and practice and everything else that goes into it. So, you know, do you ever worry? Um, I know you give a lot of respect to the mentors you've had mm-hmm. at your career level, DJ. You know, now you're you're at that point where, you know, one of the top offensive linemen in, in NFL, and now you're mentoring others. Do you ever worry, hey, I'm going to train someone that may replace me? You know, no. that I'm going to give these skills. I mean, does that ever doubt ever come that's, in? That's like one of the that's one of the first things that I tell them, actually, because that that was like I, I witnessed that as a young player. You know, players not really wanting to give me all the information, share their secrets, or whatever. because they were afraid to kind of <clears throat> see how it was going. Yeah, and I didn't I, I didn't ever want that because. I, everything that I know how to do on the field, somebody taught me. And I, I, oh, I can't remember who. I think I want to say it was Frosty Rucker. He used to always tell me, like, you're supposed to leave this game better than you found it. And I try to look at it from a whole lens of, like, if I know all these tools, I'd be a fool to leave this game without telling players that I played with how to defeat these guys and how to do this. Because 
I'm responsible for I'm I'm a part of your veteran account. When you look back on your career, you could be this player that could replace me could be a Hall of Fame player in X amount of years. And I could be the person that taught him how to become a Hall of Fame player indirectly. You know what I mean? And that's like when you're looking at it like that and and teaching really helping elevate the whole play of office and line play across the NFL period. If I can have something directly to do with that, I think about cats like Trent Williams and Tyron Smith. Those guys they play so well that Guys want to emulate how they play. They want to go out and be dominant. I, I used to look at those guys. Jason P. I used to look at all those guys when I was younger and figuring out how to play the O-line. I was like, you can go out here and be cool, whoop guys, and develop a persona and be that guy who you who you really want to be and do it at offensive line. So if I can be the next wave of that for doing that for somebody, mm-hmm. I'm telling you everything I know. I don't care. And I'm confident enough in myself. I know you're not going to beat me up because I'm that. Like, that's how I feel about myself. I'm going to tell you everything I know, and I'm still going to go out here and do it because that's – like I said, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm going to do that. So that's like that was always been my – somebody taught me how to do this. I'm going to teach you because I'll be a fool not to give it to you. See, I, I love that mentality. It's funny. I had Dr. Brian Harris on, who you know, and he yeah. always talked about the mentality of abundance. And he's kind of the same, and I think we all share that same mentality. I do as well because people will say, Brad, well, you share a lot of like how you do things at AFT and your process. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not worried about someone stealing because they're not me. And it's the same thing like mm-hmm. for you, DJ, it. You can share that mentorship because they're not you. They're not your personality. They're yeah. not your skill set, your experience. And so you have these values you can bring in them. You being a mentor and teacher, you're also bettering the industry. You're bettering mm-hmm. the product. You're bettering everybody, which is going to elevate even yourself the at some point. Group. Yeah, everybody, the whole group. Exactly. It, at at mm-hmm. some point, it'll be, you know, DJ taught me how to do this. There'll be 10 people saying that, and those 10 people are the 10 faces that are leading the game. Exactly. And if I can be a part of that, even if it's three of those faces, if I can yeah. be a part of that, I, that's my stamp I left on the game. You know what I mean, whatever my play did for me, whatever I, I left that I left my fingerprint on the game for real because people are taking what I said and taking what I did to heed and trying to emulate it, and that's like huge for me. I love watching my young tackles trying to like figure out how to do their set like me. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, like you don't have to do it exactly like me, but let me show you what I'm trying to do. Like that's that's I lo- it's, it's one of the most flattering things that for me as a professional tackle, like that's one of the most flattering things because I know how many tackles I tried to emulate and I know. All of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame, and they're Hall of Fame, all world players. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? so if I can be that for somebody, then that's that's huge. So being in the NFC West, you know, there's a lot of good defensive linemen. So who's mm-hmm. the who's the toughest uh, rusher that you have to block against? I would say Aaron Donald, but he plays inside. Yeah, yeah. So do he you? Plays, does he I ever get a few lineup on you. He, he comes out to the outside sometimes. He gives me a few. One, probably. Once or twice a game, he'll come out at the end and give me a few reps off the edge. He doesn't want you to feel lonely. No, he no, he come give, he come give me some love every now and then. Um, so I, w- I would say him on the inside for sure. Um, and on the edge, I think Bosa is is uh, is definitely the guy yeah, on the edge. He's going to face you a lot that, more. That's, that's the, I mean, we, we're mm-hmm. going to go against each other. every like mm-hmm. when, he's, when, he's, when he was healthy, every uh, literally almost 90% of the snaps, me and him were going head to head. So that was like I can tell that's next 10 years we're going to be button heads. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to be like uh, how, uh, how uh, Joe Staley and then um, – Cliff Averill and those mm-hmm. guys were back Forever. in the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, you can just know. He's he's one of those players that they're going to build that, that D-line around. I'm one of the players they're going to build an offensive line around. I just, you know, that's, that's just how it's going to be. So how do, you, how do you stay healthy? I guess my biggest question at the NFL, I mean, it's car collision every play. You yeah. know, it's a lot of impact on your body. So, you know, I remember seeing you after week one against the Niners, you know, and that's like playing Bosa, right? Yeah. You're playing that whole line. So how do you stay healthy where you can be on the field because – Healthy is a relative term. You're not healthy every game. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, I guess, do you keep, you know, to the best of your ability to be at peak performance? Oh, I mean, I, 
I, I definitely go above and beyond trying to make sure I'm, I'm seeing my stretch therapist. I'm seeing my my uh, my body guys. I'm seeing, you know, what I mean, I'm, I'm making sure, you know, I'm seeing everybody. And um, how many ice baths do you have to do? I usually do maybe two or three a week. Ooh. Depends on how how many Justin's getting. If Justin's going every week, then I'll I'll go every day every week. I'll probably go in with him. I so what do you mean? So so do you guys go and try try to go together? So you have something to talk about? Yeah, so you're not, yeah. Like, See, Justin's a psycho though, because he'll, <laughs> he'll like go up to his neck in the oh. cold tub, and I'm like, I'm not here for all that. Oh. I'm literally going waist deep. Like I'm not. I'm so not. why does he go up to his neck? Because he's just a psycho. He's just crazy. <laughs> he's no. Nah, he he has this. Uh, it's this this method that he's doing, and it's all about like blood flow and circulation. Mm-hmm. He's explained it to me before, and I'm like, I don't care what it does <laughs> to my body. I'm not doing that. So. I you know, we, yeah, yeah, we got a good understanding of that. I was like, I get into my neck in the hot tub with you though. Yeah, we can do that. Like I'm all about that. Does that? Does that? Or the dry sauna? That's fine. <laughs> you know, I'm all, bro, I'm all day with you. I still yeah. no, sir. You got 15 minutes and I'm out. <laughs> but but uh, that that's the uh, like doing stuff like that. I, I always try to make sure I stay on top of that. And, and really, like you said, it's relative. Mm-hmm. Once I figured out like how bad it feels to really play injured. I was like, it's it's awful. Don't get it twisted, but like I could I can be effective mm-hmm. at playing injured. So like if I'm hurting, I'm playing. You know what I mean? It's, if it's if I'm if I can play injured and be effective, if something hurts on me, I'll be fine. And it's not going to cause like damage or something, you yeah. know? And, and, and your career, like I said, yeah. I played injured where I, I'm mm-hmm. threatening having to have surgery if I do something wrong, and I was able to be effective doing that. Mm-hmm. So if I go out there and something swollen today, or I'm a little sore, or I'll be fine. Once this blood starts flowing and we get this adrenaline going, I'll be all right. You know what I mean? That's my hope. Like, cause it's it's relative. I know how it feels to be on the sideline and not be playing. And that, yeah, and that hurts not way more team. than being on the field sore. Like, you know what I mean? So, like in my mind, if it's attached, I'm playing. It, like, if it's not swollen right now and it's attached, we'll so, let it break so out. So, is there. there a body part that hurts more? I know a lot of linemen. Sometimes your hands. You know, you'll have fingers that get. Cotton yeah. jerseys and stuff, and yeah, bent and broken, or your chest—you know, big bruises on your chest. Yeah, I mean, my hands, legs. My, I got a little basketball finger. My dad's a hooper, man, so I got a little basketball finger from all the jam fingers. Yeah, yeah. So like, like Tory Holt. Have you ever seen like? Him yeah, again? yeah. Tory was here for a, a few months uh, doing like an interim coach, and uh, I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> my fingers are super skinny, but now they're getting chunky. I'm starting to look like an offensive line with my hands now. Um, I had a few knee surgeries early on in my career, my, and surprisingly, knock on wood. My knees have been really been well, holding me. Sense. I mean, they're like literally since I've had surgery, great. I had back-to-back knee surgeries, like really big one one year, and the next year I had a scope from kind of favoring, back, like coming mm-hmm. back early and kind of favoring. And um, ever since then they've been, like I said, knock on wood again. Ever since then they've been they've been super sturdy and holding me up, and we've been, like, I have been really blessed on taking blessed off super taking blessed care and, yourself. And, and, and overboard with taking care of it, trying to make sure it's always ready because that's. I, one thing about I know about myself as a player, if I'm healthy and I feel good, mm-hmm. I like myself against anybody. I love that. I mean, that's yeah. the confidence, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, going back to the company culture, you know, when you think about a company culture, because there's so much to that. I know a lot of people listening, well, how can I better my company culture? And you've been fortunate, DJ, to play on a lot of teams, you know, and, and, and for different coaching staffs at the NFL and Florida, you know, in high school. You know, what separates, I guess, one team – and you don't have to talk about the current one, but just mm-hmm. in your career, the best team you've been a part of, the best coaching staff, like what is the difference maker? I think it's uh, internal competition. You know, I think the team that we had this year, we're, we're a super competitive bunch. You know, we do a lot of drills that we may do a two-minute drill, and early on in the season we would do the two-minute drill, and we would kind of like uh, have a set amount of plays that we were going to run. And once the plays are done, no matter where we're at in the drill, we're going to end it. And it made – us furious because we were like 
we want to finish the drill not so much because like we want to do more reps, but like I want to know who won. <laughs> I want to beat <laughs> the, the defense. The side. defense wants to beat me. You know, yeah. what I mean? and we're in one on ones. You, you you beat somebody and he's he's pissed about it. He wants to get another rep, and you're like, all right, well, I, I'm gonna whoop you again like that. Everybody being like that, and I, I felt that a lot on our team this year. We were super. It was healthy competition. Everybody pushing each other, and then even like like I said, my young guys, Josh Miles and Josh Jones getting those guys to understand how important it is for you guys to go to practice and practice hard mm-hmm. so Marcus and Hassan will be ready to play. Yeah. And, and like that that bred so much competition throughout throughout the year and it like that was something that I saw this year from my group that I that I, I was like I know we can build on this and that it it, it felt almost infectious to everybody cuz it was guys that you could tell wasn't so much their nature but they they didn't want to let their guys down. So I'm going to go out here and make sure I do everything that I can do to, to not sure. let my teammates exactly, down. exactly, and, and like I said, it, that's that's what you that's the type of stuff you want to breed. And I think that's building teams. That's something that I always look for every year. It's like, are guys really wanting to compete? Do I have to tell someone to go hard or do something for me? Or is he really trying to give me a look every day in practice? Is he trying to get better, or is he just trying to collect his check? Yep. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I look for. Or build his Instagram or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's funny though you say that. I mean, because I I'm a big sports fan, as you know, and and you know all the everything I follow and watch, like, you know, especially in the NFL, they always talk about the locker rooms. That I mean, injuries part of it, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, but the teams that are unified because in the NFL, you know, you separate offense and defense, and mm-hmm. then you have, you know, your offensive line. You guys are a core group, but you're separated from the running backs and the quarterback. You know, so but where there's unity between offense and defense, DB mm-hmm. and offensive linemen, right, and everyone. That camaraderie, everyone's playing together with the mm-hmm. same goal, and that's where, you know, you have so many moving parts. You have to have that, just like any company, oh be successful. You have to, you have to. I mean, and and, and having the, the comfortability between the two, uh, of being able to, to talk to, tough to each one, and, and have those tough conversations with each group, and make them accountable. Hey, old line, we need. I need you to hold up here, you know, and, and hey, I need you to hit this hole here, and I need you to deliver this ball, and being able to be accountable to each other is, I mean, not just sports. If you can. In business, if you can have guys that you're, I don't know how it works, you're, you're Mason guys telling you, mm-hmm. drywall guys, hey, you can't do this, I mm-hmm. need it like this, and they're holding, they know that they, it's, it breeds a, that I don't want to let, those, yeah, yep. I don't want to let this guy down because I need this drywall to be perfect, and he knows it, and that's, like, that's, that, that's what I, in the O-line room, that's what, that's all I'm about. I, whatever you need me to do, you're making the call, you're the center, hey, we rolling with you. Whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. And ain't no in between about it. That's just because that's just offensive line. That's, that's a bit of my nature. Yeah, yeah. But like that, having that synergy, like you said, of uh, everybody being on that flow is, is, is huge. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest things, especially O line play. Well, it's interesting because there was something I heard on a podcast a while ago, and they said, you know, the two things that businesses need or teams need or companies need, they need the people to feel that you care about them, is mm-hmm. number one. And then they need to feel what they're doing is cared for. So for example, like I look at my team, you know, they, they take a lot of pride into building someone's dream home or Mm -hmm. someone's office space. And they take a lot of pride in going to work and seeing that finished product. And then if they know I care about them, well, that's going to give them that energy every day to come in and make each other accountable and, and be that team player, as you mentioned with the drywallers and the masons Mm -hmm. and everyone that goes in And, and the team's the same way. Like you guys have a goal that, Hey, as a team collectively, we want to be in the Super Bowl, And then, you know, but we're also making each other accountable. We have the same goal together and we feel like, you know, and, and, and I guess the, what I'm always amazed at, I mean, I look at now, you have the device of politics, you have the yeah. device of media, you have people with all their opinions, and here you're on the football team, you have 50, 60 yeah. people. You know, how do you keep a locker room, or how have you kept the offensive line, being the leader offensive line, DJ, 
unified where so many people have different experiences and backgrounds and, you know, uh, just views on different things, you know. I think, it, honestly, it comes in uh, into having an open mind, you know. It's a lot of things that I can put off and be like, hey, you're supposed to know this. I'm pissed that you don't. But, like, I love that. It's true. It's you weren't brought up like I was brought right. up. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And, and, and we came into this instance together. Yeah. Like, but it, it, it's, it, you, you weren't, I, I can't, I could be, I can be mad. I can't be pissed off for you not understanding something for that's been going on for X amount of years and, mm-hmm. and me having explained it to you. But am I being, am I doing a, a disservice to the world or not? If I know that you're genuinely don't know, this is where it's me as a human. This is how we can bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. This is where it comes in bridging the gap between white and black and every race. Hey, I don't like when you say that because X, Y, and Z. Oh, I never knew that offended you in that way. Why does that offend you? Oh, well, when this, this was the religion, what it meant. And and this, oh my goodness, I never knew that. Now, when you hear your friend say this at a barbecue, you're like, hey, you can't say that because this, this, and this. And now he's like, I never knew that. Or, He's a jerk, and he's like, I don't care. And now you, the division is, is, is good division. It's division of you're ignorant, and you don't want to learn, and you don't want to see equality and see the world for what it should be and what it was created to be. Okay, cool. We're going to push you over here in this corner with everybody else that's weird like that, and we're going to over here live. You know what I mean? And that's, that's where I try to live. I don't want to be the guy that's assuming that you're saying something because you know what you're doing, and I don't. You weren't brought up like I was brought up. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know what saying boy means to me because yeah. you're from California. Yeah. And you're like, like we just say it boy. Nothing, like, yeah. you don't mean, like, I didn't mean it. And then like that, I was like, what's up, boy? I didn't mean it like that. Me, I, it's a trigger for me. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm from the South. It is, yeah. it, And I can't, and it took for me, I say playing sports is different because you learn that because you get to play sports with guys that's from, white guys from California. You also get to play sports with white guys from Alabama and black guys from Texas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we can genuinely sit down and be like, Man, but I never, oh, wow, really? You didn't know that you couldn't say that because you never grew up, you never been around any black people. Only thing you know about black people is stories that you heard from mm-hmm. other white people, not from, yeah. you know what I mean? And this, or the and media this, or whatever it and is. And it's yeah. not your fault yeah. because that's all you've been exposed to, you know what I mean? Until you came to college or until you moved out of your hometown. It's not your fault that you don't know that. It's just, it's sometimes it's hard for people that look like me to continue to have to explain that because you got to think for us people that's, 50 years old, they've been explaining these same things for 50 years. Mm-hmm. So you get to 51 and they're like, I'm tired of explaining this. I'm gonna, now I'm going to start fussing, you know? And it's, it's, I understand it. I'm just at the spot in my life where I'm still, I got enough energy in me to still keep explaining and keep, keep trying to bridge that gap and keep trying to, because I, like I said, playing sports, it makes it easier. Because it's a lot, the O-line room is the same way because it's, I can, Justin can say he doesn't understand something in the O-line room because it's not social media or the, mm-hmm. and he's not going to get killed in the room. He's going to, yeah. He, oh, bro, okay, Justin. Well, I understand Put what you're thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not that he – I just use him because that's my guy. I always yeah. use him for examples. But it's easy in those type of rooms. It's a safe space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like we've bridged so many gaps in the O-line room that I know that those guys can take off into the real world and their families and, 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 and nip in so many buzz of just miscommunication and not knowing each other, knowing everyone, generalizing people and not knowing who you're dealing with. You know, And it's, it's tough not to do it because it's – it's just what we're the nature of how we were brought up. It's hard. It's hard. That's it's the best thing you said. I mean, the one thing I I'll commend you for, DJ. You're a very good communicator, right? As anyone listening from this conversation is going to see, just but but you do such a good job of relating that, and that's why I I spoke in the beginning 
with your Instagram channel, you know, and you had mentioned to me, you know, maybe it's an uncle or a dad. I'm not sure you said, Hey, you always need to put your voice and put your opinion yeah. out there and don't hide from it. Right. Yeah, like this, yeah. And, and, and so I, I love that. I think that sports is a unifier. I see people, it's mm. a unifier. And that's what I love about sports. I love the competitiveness. I love how it relates to business and more of us need to take the time. And I've said this on my Instagram channel. I've said yeah. this to many people. I've had a podcast about this, that, Reach across the aisle, find someone who's different. You know, yeah. me growing up in San Diego and you and Charlotte, like these are two totally different, different cultures and yeah. societies. And no matter what we're exposed to, we're going to have a different upbringing mentality. And when it relates to business, it's the same thing. Like I may expect one of my employees to do something or react a certain way or communicate with a customer or a subcontractor, but they don't know that because they haven't had the same experience mm-hmm. as I have. Yeah. And and it's really important, especially when it comes to race, when it comes to politics, when it comes to um the divisiveness that's out there. Like, yeah. there's so much to unify us, and the more we understand, like, it's, the better it's going to be. It's small things. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's small. You know what I mean? Even, even you being the leader of the group and, and understanding that and understanding that it's important to to educate people that look like you to to know certain triggers and certain things. And, 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 and you can't say certain – even if you don't understand, and I ain't got time to explain it to you right now, I need you to understand this first because these are – we can talk about it later, and, and when we get more comfortable, we can figure out why that is so. But these are triggers right now. Don't yeah. do it. You know what I mean? And that's that's you. And it's, it's big coming from – and I've seen that in my peers where maybe they haven't seen something, and if you've had friends, you know, black or white, whatever, they do have different upbringings. And if you understand that and talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, they'll see, oh, that makes sense why boy could be a trigger word and why. Yeah. What's the history behind that? You know, you may be called that in California, nothing twice, but mm-hmm. there is meaning behind that. And, and you need uh, yeah. to be sensitive to it, that. And it's, and it's, like you said, it's just, like, again, you being a leader and being able to read the room and understand the temperature in the room, and you're responsible for making sure everyone is comfortable in the mm-hmm. room. And I think that was, that, like, being a leader in, in the O-line and, of the room, and it was kind of having those conversations. I couldn't be angry and say, I'm tired of having to explain this. And I'm tired of having to show this. Even though it is, though. Even though it's been that, yeah. but it's these are the guys that if I want to have spend the energy explaining it to anybody, I want to explain it to these guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is my responsibility. I can't just be a leader on the football field and say, Rob, we need to go block these guys. And when we're talking about real stuff. I want to smooth over it. Like, no, this is this is these are hard talks that we have. These are how you become better men and become better people. And I think we had a lot of those talks this year. And it was it was fun because it's like you said, it's fun to see that look of like, oh, I didn't know that it was like, and it's like, yeah, man, like just just don't do that one thing. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, like I didn't. Yeah. And, it's, and it's educational. And again, it's how I look at things. I look at things a lot differently than I feel like a lot of people in the world because I, like you said, I try to be understanding and understand what people are going through. It ain't your fault. It's not your fault that you were raised in Union, South Carolina, and mm-hmm. you only knew this and this was what you were brought up in. It's not your fault. You know what I mean? Because just just is the same way I know that there are stereotypes that, that, are, that are held to, to black people. Black people do the same thing. And it's it's not our fault. It's just how we was brought up. It's the mm-hmm. same thing that was passed down to us. It's the same thing that was yeah. passed the, the other way around. And it's just me knowing that is something – I think I learned just from going to college and and going leaving my hometown and experiencing different sides of the world and being blessed to be able to go places and see like everyone is different but we're kind of all the yeah we're all genuinely the same but everyone mm-hmm. we just don't know I don't know it's certain things that I remember I talked to my first Asian person in college like having a real conversation like you speak English and then she looked at me like. <laughs> Yes, like I was born in America. Like, what are you talking about? Do I speak English? Like, what are you like? And she looked at me like I was stupid. But like, 
and I, had, you just, I had to apologize. Like, I'm so sorry. This is my yeah. first time talking to anyone that was of Asian. I don't, yeah. I don't, like, I, I have, like, the only other person that I know that looks like you, I only have one family in my hometown. It's a Chinese restaurant. I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. that's, that's all I, those are my two conversations. The upbringing and exposure, yeah. Yeah, so, like, mm-hmm. when I had that, that situation happen to me, I was like. That epiphany, yeah. Whoa. This is happening to everybody. Like mm-hmm. it's not like you know what I mean. Just just how I did that to her as as an Asian woman. I, someone has done that to me as a black man, and they didn't have any. Un, they had no clue that they were being offensive, because that's just what they. That's all they know. That's what they were brought up to think. That's all they've seen. And that was like when I seen that, I was like, oh okay, you gotta start like asking questions and talking to people and not assuming that just because they're Spanish they speak Spanish. We'll be right back with DJ, but first a word from our sponsor. Kohler, a global leader in the kitchen and bathroom design industry, and Kohler is hosting their first ever Kohler at Home, a two-day digital event that will debut new products and showcase discussions with industry leaders, exploring topics such as innovations, well-being, personal design, and the impact of cleanliness and hygiene. I'm really excited to be part of the Kohler at Home programming that will be coming to you soon, discussing how to create a smarter home with tech and lifestyle expert Carly Knobloch, Jordan Cooper, co-founder of Wizcribs, and Jonathan Bradley, Smart Home Innovation Lead at Kohler. Part of the Kohler at Home programming also includes a feature discussion with Angela Ahrens, former SVP of Apple Retail and CEO of Burberry, and Bonnie Chorbay, president of Ansax on energizing teams and transforming customer experience, and the role human energy plays in leading businesses of all sizes. The Kohler at Home programming will take place February 2nd and February 3rd, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time. Don't miss the free event and register today at Kohler.com backslash at home. It's, it's so true. It's so hard, though. But, I mean, I guess from your side, DJ, I mean, being young, you know, what are you, 27, right? Yeah, 27. 27? 27. So being 27, you're a leader. I mean, how, you, you know, are these natural characteristics? Do you feel you've gained these from other people just as far as the leadership, you know, taking control of the offensive line, you know, speaking openly about race and politics as you do and you know, educating people. I mean, it's young. You know, I think yeah. at 27 where I was in my life, you know, how do you mature to that level? Um, I think I've, I've never been afraid of being dumb. I've never been scared to be like, I don't know what that means. Or, or ask questions. Yeah, or even like you just said a word, I don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? Like, I've never been afraid. I to, love that, by the way. To be that. I love yeah. that. Thank you. I, I've, never, I've never been afraid to be that person. So I think like if I don't understand something, I'm going to ask if it's a joke that happened and it was fun, everyone laughed at it, I want to know why it was funny and what part was that. You know what I mean? And if I don't get it, because I just that's just that's how I am. I, I'm the same way in sports. If I I want to know why that part is important, and and, and I'm also I, I've always hated bullies since I was a kid. I never I never liked watching people feel like left out or like mm-hmm. pick like the butt of a like we don't that's joke we, yeah, yeah we don't have to have mm-hmm. fun like that we can you know what I mean that was always hazing or whatever. yeah yeah mm-hmm. I always was like that as a kid so I think now I kind of I'm, I'm good at reading the room and when we're having a good time who's having a good time who's just gonna go along with the laugh so they don't show that you know what I mean that that's always been my thing because I don't want to be the guy that's we leave here, and this joke was really funny to everyone, but it really offended this mm-hmm. guy. So very and, observant, yeah. Yeah, super. I, mm-hmm. I've always been very observant to of that type of thing because I try to, like I said, I want to make sure everybody having a good time. I want all to be inclusive. I want it all to be fun because I know what it's like to be pushed out and, and, and not be accepted. So I don't want to be, you know what I mean? Because I know if I'm in a room and I'm talking, I'm usually the center of that conversation. So if I can be... Inclusive to everyone, I'm going to be there. I'm never going to make it. I just I don't like I don't like that feeling. That's that is just something I don't know what it is. I don't I never 
Well, I think I think you hit on the head because it's funny. I look at one of so one of my superintendents, Andrew Clark, who I had Mm -hmm. on. We did a podcast with some of our team, and Andrew was funny because he came on, never worked in construction, had zero experience, and he didn't pretend like any time we'd say, "Hey, you know that cutting line? What's a cutting line? You know, go grab that tool. What's that tool? What's a soft?" And he would just say, "I don't know." Like he would ask, and he's you'd see the acceleration in five years, like how good he is now. It's because every time he'd say, "I don't know," and he'd ask the question, he wouldn't pretend to know. He was always looking to be informed. And I, you know, I think that's really valuable for anyone that's looking to excel in their company 100%. or to be a successful business owner, ask the questions, listen, 100%. and then be observant of the room, right? hundred percent. I mean, I don't care. I, I mean, still to this day, if I don't understand something in that old line room, it can be the simplest thing. Hold on, coach. I love that. You should move it over there real quick. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. If we might laugh, we might, I, and, and I also get a kick out of that because I don't mind everybody getting a laugh out of me asking a question that people seem as dumb because I know it's somebody in the room that didn't know. Yeah, and that's you the know? thing. It's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not even a humility thing, but yeah. you know other people are thinking the same thing. But by you asking, I mean... I help somebody. It, I might have helped somebody. Yeah, yeah, you help I might someone have helped Yeah, yeah. I didn't know also, but I know if I didn't know, it's a good chance that someone else didn't know also mm-hmm. in the room. So I just, like, I don't... I, I, I know that it's harder for a young cat in the room to ask that question than me. So what's next? Are you going to get into coaching? Like, I, no shot. Right, no shot. Cause, well, I know you're still in the primary career and you have many yeah, years left yeah, in the NFL. Yeah. But, you know, down the line, you know, a training facility, a mentorship for young high school. I mean, um, what do you plan on doing, you know, in, in the year, years after football? Honestly, honestly, my whole, like if I could, my life dream, honestly, I want to open, a, I wanna open a, a resource center in my hometown and, uh, and trade school also. In so my, my resource center, trade school, like specifically. So I want to, I want to have like a feeder system from the schools for the kids that are like in uh, Section Eight housing, mm-hmm. and they're like the the rougher neighborhoods that yeah. basically get bus instead of going. So when I was a kid, uh, my mother worked basically from she when I was getting out of school, she was going to work. So every day I was like rough neighborhood all day, just hanging out mm-hmm. by my, you know what I mean, and it was it was. I didn't do any homework. Like I was, you know yeah. what I mean? It was rough. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm nine, 10 years old. Like I'm not mm-hmm. doing any home. I'm hanging out outside. And uh, I know what everybody else that didn't have the opportunity that I had to move mm-hmm. with my father, what their life is like now that was still in those same neighborhoods that I was in. And for me, I, when I flash forward to college, I knew what all the guys who were having a tough time in college and having a hard time figuring out life. They didn't have any father figures or any mm-hmm. role models in their life. Someone showing them that this is wrong and this is right. Everything yeah. that they've done, mm-hmm. it's been on them and they got them success. So whatever I'm doing right, it's got to be right, you know. And I figured that out early and I wanted to kind of have that feeder system to bring kids from, from, from those areas to be able to sit down at a desk in a quiet space, do your homework, get your study, you know what I mean, really having the space to really – Given an opportunity to succeed, not yeah, being to a, understand. not being in a small where you have to go home and get off the bus and immediately take care of your siblings mm-hmm. because your mom has to go Mom's to work. Or, or working, you, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being being able to really be a kid and be a student and enjoy mm-hmm. your time as a as, in, in your youth and not worry about what bills are due and stuff like that. And then I also want to, on the flip side of it, I want it to be a trade school for the kids, uh, the high school kids, like you said, that are not. I mean. I, if I didn't play football, I wouldn't have went to college. Yeah, just being with I'm not that. I wasn't never that student. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those kids that uh, I don't want you. 
And there's a lot of opportunity in the trades. We need them. It's huge. You know what <laughs> I mean? I, I, I need really, a lot. So. You, you go out here and you can put yourself in a position to be your own boss or, yeah. or, or own a plumbing company, own a trim company, own an electrician. Go yeah. into a, a, mm -hmm. a salary job that yeah. you, you know what I mean? With benefits. And, and like I said, we, we need lawyers and doctors and, and all that thing, but we also need those trades yeah. because we, and a lot of schools don't have Elon those. Musk says it all the time. We need engineers, we need builders. We need, we need that need, stuff. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and I know uh, my hometown is, is a really small, a poor hometown. And, uh, when they shut down the trade school in my hometown, things got a lot, you know, I mean, more off, worse off at the high school and, and the graduation rate and all that stuff. Kind of, you know, things got weird. So, I know that that's something that can uh, uh, a part of the resource that can be tapped and kind of get those that in between. I just graduated high school. Am I gonna go to work at the mill? Am I gonna you know, what is it gonna be? Am I gonna go to the mm -hmm. streets? Am I gonna go given just another resource, another opportunity to have it? You know what I mean? Being in a position to. Do anything, and then and then on the flip side, creating jobs in the city for people to, to you know, what I mean, mm -hmm. anything to to create some some cash flow in the city. That's that's really like my. That's awesome. If I can do anything in the world, that would be like the one thing that I can like. Well, keep me posted because we'll exactly. definitely be an advocate and resource for I you. For that. I definitely appreciate that. That's I awesome, hundred percent. Definitely, though, already it's already in my in my. In my <laughs> In my building phase, you got a lot to focus on now, but that'll <laughs> yeah, come yeah, down that's 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 my like I said, that's my like uh, that's my baby for. For my my uh, my late thirties and for early forties, that's that'll be what I'll be doing when I retire. Trying to make that like the model for success in my home. If I can if I can do that for my small little hometown, that'll be I love huge. It. Yeah, yeah, that'll be major impact. Like honestly, DJ, I can't thank you enough for the time you've given today. You know, so cordial and and being that you just finished the season, you come in, you're recording, and you know it's still sore from Sunday's oh, game, man, but. You know, tell us real quick before we close. There's, I, I still have to laugh because one of my favorite videos of the weekend was ESPN posted a, a TikTok, and there's a video about you with the camera guy. So tell us yeah, about what happened yeah, there. Yeah, man, my guy, my camera guy. We were, I was. Uh, so a lot of people don't know when you're mic'd up in the NFL, they ask you weeks before. So you may get asked like three weeks, two weeks before the game that you're mic'd up. And I was asked a few weeks before the game. I was like, yeah, man. We were just and, and to clarify for the listeners, because, you know, NFL Films does the films yeah. where they have different players mic'd up throughout the year for the highlights and stuff. And is that an NFL Films rep or is it one of the Cardinals It's actually reps? one of our Cardinals reps. Okay. It's one of our Cardinals reps. So this guy, I mean, I, I know him. I've known him years. Like, we've, we've all yeah, we've done plenty of you get familiar with yeah, the I camera mean, crew and, and whoever's and there. And I'm, I'm, I'm always super friendly with the camera yeah. guy. So they're always like, whenever they need me to do anything, I'm going like, to do hey, it. Like, hey, DJ. Yeah. I'm, you know? So I knew the guy. But so I knew that it was... Like I said, I forgot that I was supposed to be mic'd up these days. Weeks ago, he asked me about this in the season. I'm not thinking about being mic'd up two, three weeks from now. And uh, I walked into the stadium, and all the cameras were on me, and I, I had a cool outfit on. So I was like, I, this, this outfit is really must have hit. Like, this was the one. <laughs> they hit me with the cameras hey, from the door. You dress sharply. For anyone, when you, you follow DJ, we're going to tag you in the headline. I try. His, your outfits, like, when I you try, show up man. to the game, it, you look good. I try. I try my best. Like I said, my dad was a receiver. I aspire to be DJ when I'm showing man. up. <laughs> I, I was raised by pretty boys. What can I say? Hey, you look just, good, man. I'm just happy to be one of the big guys. But I got I was I thought my outfit was a hit. I'm like, this just must be a hit today. Like, you know, got some good photos. They got me. Okay, we'll post those later. And uh we go out to the field and the guy is still on me. And I'm like, outfit must have been really hard. They're trying to see what the on field drip likes too. So so um I'm, before the game, we always dap up the O line. Like we're always like we're very like it's almost like a super spiritual moment before mm -hmm. the game. It's it's weird how the O line gets before the game. It's like I don't I can't Get your even LeBron handshakes. Yeah, I can't even explain it. It's just it's it's so a bunch of three hundred pound men walking around telling each other they love them and like bumping chest and slapping each other. It's weird. It's the craziest thing ever. But we're all we're in that and like the dude is like in the way and I'm like 
I'm like trying to get around him to dap people up. And and um, after it, I go up to him like, dog, why you keep following me? Like, what's up with you? And he's like, aren't you mic'd up? <laughs> I was like, oh, dang, I forgot. I, I forgot I told y'all I was going to do that. And he was like, dang, man. Like, I was like, nah, man, I'm sorry, bro. He was just, I just wasn't expecting you to be on me like that, man. I, I You know, I'm not used to that camera life like that, man. I, I'm used to it from far away. I'm used to just getting caught in the shot, you know? Yeah. Getting caught in them trying to get Kyler and me come through the camera and slide out, you know. <laughs> well, everyone loves that image. I mean, usually for you, it's just when when Kyler throws that fifty yard bomb, you know, to beat the Bills yeah, and he's yeah, CDJ's yeah. face. Like, like what? Uh, yes, what just yes, happened? That yes, was the best, but uh, yeah, I'm still, still, I'm tagged to that moment forever. I'm, I'm glad about that. <laughs> we'll have memes about that forever, oh, yes, so we'll have to yes. put that on there. But so, DJ, where can our listeners find you? Um, I'm a big Instagram guy. I'm locked out of my Twitter right now, so what? you know, yeah, it's. I, I forgot my password, oh. <laughs> and I made my Twitter in college, so it's attached to my like my 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 college your email. college email. Which yeah, who knows what that what, is now? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm locked out of my Twitter, but you can keep following me on there. Sometime I maybe get access to it. Maybe <laughs> uh, on Instagram, everybody call my name. My last name is Humphreys. So everyone calls me Hump. Yeah. So my Instagram is literally just H U M P, and it's you know. Go ahead and give me a give me a give give me a follow. tag. Yeah, don't comment mm-hmm. any weird things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have a family page, guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. I'm like I said, I'm a big Instagram guy, but you can catch me in the streets anytime, man. You know, say what's up. Don't say any weird stuff. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm not a big handsy guy. I'm not a big hands on guy. If I don't know you, uh, I will speak though. I'm a big speaker in public. Yeah. I just don't like uh, unfamiliar hands uh, reaching out to me. In public, it's, which is yeah, yeah. which is understandable. I feel like I feel like I don't know why. I feel like I need to talk about that because people don't have etiquette when like they don't seeing people see that someone. they want to see. And yeah, it's hard because I saw I saw Ti one time mm-hmm. in the airport and I didn't know what to do and I just let him walk by because I didn't want to like do Bother him how him people do me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, damn, I really want to go say hey yeah. to Ti, but like I don't know what to do, so I'm just leaving him alone. Yeah, and it was like but but yeah, just say what's up, man. I'll say what's up back. Just well, don't, hump, like, grab hump, me by my neck. Hump is a friendly guy, I'll tell you. So he is. You can tell from this conversation. Again, DJ, for your leadership, commend you, you know, for, um, you know, the stances to educate, uh, you know, just just your view on business and mentorship and life and athletics, and, and, and we're grateful to have you. So thank you for all you do. I appreciate you guys for having me. I appreciate it, Brad. Anytime. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes They're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.